0: Have you noticed that the older people get, the more they say, I'm sorry, what did you say? And the more others say to them, could you please turn that TV down? (laughs) Yeah, as time goes by, we just don't hear as well as we used to. But sometimes it's not necessarily because we can't hear. It's more because we're not listening. Have you ever asked someone a question while they're texting? Yeah, it's like you're not even there. Well, this week on the Discover the Word podcast, be part of some conversations we're calling Hearing Aids. What? Yeah, I said Hearing Aids. Because when God speaks, we want to make sure that we can hear and we're listening. And welcome to Discover the Word, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries with Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. Each week, we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus, the living Word of God, in the pages of the Bible. Discover the Word. And in this week's podcast, Elisa is going to guide the group in thinking about this topic of what it means to listen to God. Does He speak to us? And if He does, what does that mean? What does that sound like? And if he does speak, I mean, that's only half of communication. What does it mean for us to hear and, of course, listen when he speaks? All important issues we're going to explore together based on a passage at the beginning of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. Now, Mart was not able to be with the group this time around, so let's join Elisa and Bill and Daniel for this practical series of conversations called Hearing Aids. I'm just going
1: to dive right in here. (laughs) Have you ever heard from God?
2: Okay. I'm wondering what you mean by hearing from God, um, Mm -hmm. because I've heard that expression used a lot of different ways, and some of them make me really nervous.
1: What makes you nervous?
2: Well, because sometimes when I hear people saying, well, God told me to do this, or God told me to do that, and then it crashes, It was all God's fault because it didn't work out right. Mm -hmm. And that makes me wonder who they were listening to
3: in the first place. I don't know. Daniel, what do you think? Well, and to that point, there's been times where people have said to me or I've heard them say to someone else, God told me to tell you this. And you hear what they say and you go, ooh, I don't think that's actually from God. I'm going to guess, Elisa, at what you mean and answer it this way, okay. there have been times in my life where I have prayed and asked God for direction, or I felt like I was in a season of prayer or a moment of prayer where I felt God's presence with me in some way or nudging me, or I've sometimes described it as like God whispering, but really it's a thought or an idea that comes to mind that seems like it's God leading me. And so those are ways that I feel like I've heard from God. Mm -hmm. But if you're asking, have I ever heard an audible voice? I have not.
1: Okay. I appreciate the caveats, you know, the the boundaries that we're suggesting may be in place around this topic, because this week we're going to talk about a story in the Old Testament where God spoke And an individual heard, several people heard. And I want to look at this story, recognizing that there actually are several, many instances in scripture where God spoke to humans in an audible voice, it looks like. And I'm wondering what that means and how we can learn from those interactions between God's people and himself. The specific story I'm looking at is a story of Samuel, and this is in First Samuel chapters one through three, and in this story, I think we might see several instances that offer maybe some principles for what it looks like to quote, and I'm using little air quotes here. Hear from God, what it may be meant in the Old Testament, what it might mean to those characters, and what mm. we can learn from it ourselves. Mm. Any concerns as we go into that? Does that sound like something we can look at together?
2: Well, it's in the Bible, so obviously we can look at it. <laughs> I do think that, you know, what I have always heard and been taught was that um, God speaks to us primarily today through the scriptures, not through audible voices as he did before the scriptures were completed. But he still speaks to us, and I would not argue that for a second. I would just be very careful how I talked about it. So that's sure. just me and my cynicism. but <laughs> I think
1: that's great.
3: Yeah, and I think with that too, we have to be careful anytime time we see the story of God interacting with someone else and then trying to make it into a prescription of, well, this mm-hmm. must be how God's going to interact with me. And so this is a story about God interacting with other people And so Mm -hmm. you're right, maybe there are some things that we can see in that that help us too, but it isn't our story.
1: Absolutely. Good, good. And let's remember too, just as our backdrop, we do have the Holy Spirit in our lives in a very powerful way today, Mm -hmm. and His presence in the Old Testament is much different. So we're going to look at is 1 Samuel chapter 1, an asking woman, an asking woman, okay? And immediately, who is this we're going to be looking at?
2: Well, if it's the story of Samuel, and you're starting in chapter one, it has to be Hannah, Mm -hmm. who was one of the wives of Elkanah, and would eventually go on to be the mom of uh, Samuel.
1: Very good. But just to summarize the story, there are some certain characters in this story, as you said, Bill Elkanah, who is her husband, and he is from a town that's away from where he goes to worship, you know, maybe 25 miles, and they journey every year to worship God. Um, He has two wives. His first wife is Hannah. And what do we know about Hannah? And this is going to be in um, verse uh, 6.
3: She can't have kids.
1: She can't have kids. okay. And he has a second wife, and her name is Penina. What do we know about Penina? Continue on in verse uh, 6 and 7.
3: She wasn't being very nice to Hannah. She was <laughs> emphasizing the fact that uh, she had kids and Hannah did not. Okay. And the language there is provoking her in order to irritate her.
2: And by the way, Daniel, earlier you talked about the fact that this is the way God interacted with certain people in this story, but that doesn't mean that it's prescriptive of how God interacts with us. We've talked a lot about some things in the Bible are prescriptive, telling us what to do. And some are descriptive, just telling us what happened. Having two wives is not prescriptive, um, just for the record. Uh, the Bible's just describing the situation. It's not telling us, go get more wives and life gets better, because obviously it wasn't working out for Elkanah.
1: Good point, Bill. And the reason that there probably is more than one wife here is because Hannah was infertile. She didn't have children. And so Elkanah's heirs were dependent upon another woman. He took a second wife likely to provide heirs, Penina, and she had children. And she, as you said, Daniel kind of poked at Hannah, and the word Scripture uses here is a rival, which is a strong word, and this kind of provoking, which is like irritate to the point is just like annoying. Okay, so they go up, and Elkanah loves Hannah, and he tries to get, make up for her barrenness. He gives her a double portion of the the meat that's offered before the sacrifice, right? Because he wants to make her feel better, but. She doesn't feel better, does she? And let's just read verses um, 9 through 18. Let's just go around together. Can we do that? Bill, you want to start us?
2: Sure. Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she, Hannah, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and
3: wept bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk.
1: Great. And then he accuses her in verse 15. She says, not so, my Lord, I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer, which actually would have been hugely sinful right there. Okay. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. And that's a great play there because wicked is a word that we're going to see later in this story is actually used of Eli's very disobedient, sons who were priests and were abusing their role she says do not take your servant for a wicked woman i have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief and eli answers go in peace and may the god of israel grant you what you've asked of him And then she says, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went away. It's amazing here, the anguish. And this is the piece I guess I want to focus in on as we look at what it might mean for us to eventually or immediately hear from God. We start, whether we're gonna hear an audible voice or our needs gonna be met, or we're gonna be asked to wait, or we're never gonna totally understand. If we wanna hear from God through his word, through other people, in our lives, in our hearts, through a nudge. I think I want to suggest that Hannah shows us we begin by asking, pouring our hearts out, our face down, asking for what we want. A lot of times, I think we hold back from asking because we conclude, well, pff, you know, God's not listening or God doesn't really care or mm. God's not going to answer the way I want Him to. But I think Hannah shows us that if we want to hear from God in whatever form His voice might take in our lives, we begin by asking.
2: I think you're onto something there, Lisa, because I know as men, we kind of view ourselves as fixers, that it's our job to fix everything. And so our first reaction to a situation, to a problem, is to try to find a solution for it rather than turning to God and seeking him to provide a solution for it. It's much more of a knee-jerk response to it, to say, okay, how do I fix this, rather than pausing and saying, okay, Lord, I need your help if this is ever going to get fixed. Yeah.
3: I'm also thinking of in the New Testament where it describes that sometimes we don't know what to ask for. So I think there Mm -hmm. is an invitation, right, to ask for these deep things that we're thinking about. That is an important part of prayer. But I also, like, if we feel like we're in that place where maybe we don't even know what to ask for or we don't know what to say, we can trust that this good and loving God who's listening also knows us well enough and His Spirit helps us in those moments to also be praying with us in sighs and groans or whatever as uh, the New Testament describes. So I think, yeah, it, it is this posture before God of knowing mm. that we need him, even if That's we good. don't even know what the specific thing is that we want to ask for or need to mm. ask for.
1: We go and we ask for him. And Eli, the priest's answers go in peace in verse 17. May the God of Israel grant you. And then sometime later, she does become pregnant. And she actually ends up in verse 20, naming Samuel, Samuel, which means, because I asked the Lord for him. Mm-hmm. I think we hear from God in some way, shape, or form, even when we don't know how to shape our prayer, even when we're overwhelmed, even when we have to ask repeatedly, even when we don't understand, really, how to even approach Him, we begin. We begin by approaching God, I think by Hannah's example, by asking. Okay, sometimes in our walks with God, in our relationship with him, sometimes we enter into a season where it seems like, Everything's just deaf around us. It's like we ask and nothing happens, or, or we, we read scripture and we don't see any connection to our lives. It seems like a season of deafness, if you will. I'm really used to considering my relationship with God of being like a conversation, You know, where I mm-hmm. pray and I sense as I go to scripture and read or as I talk to people or even as I'm by myself, I sense a leading. But have you experienced more what I'm talking about this season of deafness?
2: Are you talking about us being deaf to God or God being deaf to us?
1: Well, it feels like both, honestly, Bill, because when I don't hear from him, I conclude he's not listening to me.
3: Mm -hmm. I do feel, to be honest, a little uncomfortable using the word because I know people that their hearing is affected literally by deafness. And I do want to just represent that that is a different thing than what we're talking about, right? Mm Mm-hmm but the seasons I tend to get in are seasons where I'm too busy to listen more is how I would probably describe it. And I'm like, man, like where has God been? Mm -hmm. But then looking back, I realized that it's been the way I've been living and the busyness and the craziness. And I actually haven't had taken the time to listen or to spend mm-hmm. time with God.
1: So busyness can create a kind yeah. of a deafness a yeah. white noise in your world. Yep. And I appreciate the physical reminder, Daniel. Honestly, the series is called Hearing Aids for a reason. I wear hearing aids. I can't hear like I used to be able to. I have mm-hmm. a deficit, especially in my left ear. And I think about that. It's an inability mm-hmm. in me, a literal one to hear. But when I put my hearing aid in, Aha! Uh-huh. You know, it, yeah, it sh- yeah. sounds become sharper, and I can take in stuff that I'm just I can't otherwise. But sometimes I'm compromised because mm-hmm. I can't hear physically. Mm-hmm. So maybe that kind of season deafness. So if we want to use this as a metaphor, mm-hmm. maybe there's a time of white noise. Maybe there's a time mm-hmm. of inability within me to listen. What else might be happening?
2: Well, Psalm 55 in the opening verses, and this is a psalm where David really. He uses the same language to describe what's going on in his heart that Jesus uses in Gethsemane. It's that mm-hmm. kind of pain-filled, mm-hmm. agony-filled thing. And in the opening verses, he talks about the silence of God, mm-hmm. and all he can hear is the voice of his enemies. And sometimes in life, when we have opposition, or sometimes it's from circumstances, a lot of times it is from people, it can be so loud that we can't hear whether God is paying attention to us or not.
1: Okay. So we're suggesting a couple of maybe rationale for why deafness in our relationship with God can happen. And we're in this big story of Samuel, the call of Samuel. And I want to look today at a season of deafness that had descended upon this group of people. And I think there is a reason. For it, a season of God's silence. And I want us to look at First Samuel chapter two. Let's start off just reading first verse uh, twelve down to twenty two. Let's just take turns here, and let's set the stage here. What's happening,
3: Daniel? You want to start us? Sure. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord or for the duties of the priest to the people. When anyone offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there.
2: Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, give the priest meat for roasting, as he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. And if the man said to him, they must surely burn the fat first and then take as much as you desire, then he would say, no, but you shall give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force.
1: Okay, and then in 17, the sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Okay, so just net that out. What does that all mean? What are we talking about here?
3: Basically, they're not following the instructions that they've been given on how to handle sacrifices there was provision for priests and the priest family within the sacrificial system. That was how they received food. But instead of honoring that system and receiving it the way that they had been instructed to, the way that uh, God had set up for them, they were taking advantage mm-hmm. and they were abusing the system.
2: They were also abusing the people. Mm -hmm. I
3: mean, there were threats of
2: physical violence involved. And so they were abusing the system. They were abusing the people. And ultimately, uh, by doing that, I think they were abusing God himself. Yeah, that's right.
1: In fact, in verse 22, um, Eli, who was very old, the dad, heard about everything his sons were doing to all of Israel, how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And we're told in verses 23 down to 25 or so that um, Eli did talk to them. You know, why do you do such things? But they just pretty much didn't listen. In, in verse 25, it says they didn't listen to their father's rebuke. And let's go back and pick it up in verse 18. There is a contrast going on between Eli's sons and the little boy Samuel. Now remember, Hannah had prayed for Samuel, this asking woman, and promised to give him back to the Lord all the days of his life, earlier in chapter 1. And when he was three years older and was weaned, she took him to the temple and presented him there. And she gave him over, and she'd bring him every year a little linen coat that he could wear. But she gave him over. So in verses uh, 18, and let's go down to 21, what's happening with Samuel? And see the contrast between the disobedience of Eli's sons.
3: Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice.
2: Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in the place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord.
1: And then if you go down and you take a look at verse 26, again, this is after the passage about Eli's sons being so wicked, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. And that reminds me so much of how Jesus is described Mm -hmm. in the New Testament of growing up in wisdom and stature and in favor It's just amazing here. So this contrast of an obedient with a disobedience. Okay, now comes a section in verses 27, oh, down through... 33. A man of God comes to Eli and says, this is what the Lord said. (laughs) Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family? And he goes on and he describes what, Bill?
2: He describes that God is going to take away the priestly line that Eli has inherited from his ancestors, and he's going to lose his privilege and his position and really his uh, role in life.
1: And this is dramatic, and it's Mm -hmm. disastrous, and it ends up in death for Eli's Mm -hmm. sons. Then again comes a contrast. In chapter 3, verse 1, we begin to hear the real call of God's voice in Samuel's life. Would you read chapter 3, verse 1, Daniel?
3: Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread.
1: What do you think this verse reveals about God's speaking, listening in this season?
2: In the very least, it means that conversation is a two-way thing. Relationship is a two-way thing. And when we cut ourselves off from God, then we make ourselves unable to hear from Him. There's a responsibility on our part to be in a place of hearing and being heard.
3: Yeah. And at that time, the main people that were there to hear from God and to be the very representatives of God were the people that were abusing the people that they were supposed to be ministering to instead of loving them and being that conduit of God's presence and his love to the people. Mm -hmm.
1: It's not a comfortable thing to look at for us. Uh, We don't like to really focus in on disobedience or sin, if you will. But when we really long to hear from God, you know, just as we might consider, as we did yesterday, are we asking, are we pouring out our heart and really asking, are we vulnerably making our plea before God? We might also look carefully at, is there something really wonky in our world, in our lives, in our hearts, in the hearts of those around us that's unplugged? that's just Mm -hmm. completely cut off from the God who longs to speak and be in Mm -hmm. relationship with us is maybe a season of deafness where we feel like God isn't hearing and we aren't hearing Mm -hmm. a result of something we need to confess and change.
0: And that actually reminds me of something a, a psalm writer wrote in Psalm 119 when he felt like this. In Psalm 119, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, The Lord will not hear me. We're talking about hearing from God this week here on Discover the Word. And that's an important truth to keep in mind when it feels like we're not hearing God's voice. Could there be something in my life that's keeping God from getting through? Our series is called Hearing Aids with Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. And we'll get back to the conversation and other aspect of this in just a moment. Well, Discover the Word exists to help men and women all over the world encounter the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible. Got a great note from a couple I wanna read to you. It says, Dear Folks at Our Daily Bread Ministries, my husband of 51 years and I started listening to your Discover the Word podcasts when the pandemic kept us from our weekly small group Bible studies. We thank you for offering a good way for us to continue to learn and grow spiritually. We are grateful. Well, Bob and Patty, we are privileged to have you with us and we're thankful that this space is a place where your faith can grow. And if you'd like to partner with us in making these daily Bible studies available to friends like Bob and Patty and others around the world, we invite you to become one of our Discover the Word monthly partners and give an automatic donation each month in whatever amount you choose. You can sign up to become a monthly partner online at discovertheword.org click the donate tab. And now back to this study called hearing aids. Do you think we can hear from God?
1: I mean, be moved by him, directed by him before we know him, before we give our lives over to him. Do you think God speaks to us before we're in a relationship with him?
3: You know, what comes to mind for me when you ask that question is the people that I've heard stories from in places like the Middle East and others, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. Jesus shows up in some way to them before. And that actually was a part of why they ended up following Jesus, was because Jesus showed up before they believed in him.
2: Yeah. I was thinking about, for instance, with Moses, God spoke to him first from the Mm -hmm. burning bush, and Moses didn't even know God's name at that point. You know, even Jesus said, No one can come to me except the Father draw him. Mm -hmm. The impetus always, I think, begins with God. It's just that a lot of times, until we're in
3: relationship, we don't understand what it is he's talking about.
1: I think that's so honest.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind, too, is in Romans, Paul writes about how God has spoken to all through his Mm -hmm. creation, right? He's made Mm -hmm. who he is, his eternal qualities noticeable in creation. And so God has spoken in a general sense to all people before we know him.
1: And sometimes we may not be able to name him But we are drawn towards what is other than us, and I can remember when I was a kid walking down a hall at a church. I was by myself, it was in the Sunday School Wing, and at the end of the hall was this display case that had these, I don't know if you remember them back in the day, portrait plates with all the disciples' faces on them, and then Jesus was in the middle. And I was walking towards it, and I locked eyes with the picture of Jesus. and. I don't know why, but in that moment, I just felt this drawing, this kind of magnetic. And I didn't know what it was, but I ended Mm -hmm. up going like almost nose to the, pressed against the glass of the display case, staring at him going, who are you? And it was years and years and years later that I thought back on this wooing that had happened Mm -hmm. in that moment. I didn't know what it was about, but I, Mm -hmm. I felt like God was drawing me towards him before I really knew him.
2: And I've heard stories from missionaries, Elisa, who tell about going into a tribal community where there's never been a gospel presence before, and they go in, and once they begin trying to explain the gospel to the people there, they say, this is the God that we've been thinking about and waiting for. We've been waiting for someone to come and tell us about him, and so there's this kind of like Mm -hmm. precognition that God works in our hearts, and yet, again, until we know him, we don't really begin to understand what he's talking about to us.
1: That's a great way to put it. You know, maybe we can hear from God in our hearts without understanding before we mm-hmm. know Him. In the series we're in called Hearing Aids, we're looking at an Old Testament story where God clearly speaks, and we're looking at some ways He speaks and some ways people listen because we want to understand ourselves. How can we better? receive God's conversation in our lives. And and the first thing we looked at is that if we want to develop hearing ears, we need to ask, right? We looked at Hannah, the mother of mm-hmm. Samuel, who went to Shiloh and in the tabernacle, asked in the presence of Eli the priest for a child, for a son, and promised to give him back to the Lord all the days of his life. And she did. After she had him and she weaned him, she took him to the tabernacle, and he then grew up there. In Eli's presence Mm -hmm. and began his life. And the second thing we looked at yesterday was really something that can get in the way of our hearing, which was what?
2: Sin, yeah.
1: You didn't dress that up at all.
2: Well, we had some pretty rotten examples of the very kinds of things that. And I think it's important for us to just acknowledge, too, that what we saw yesterday was pretty extreme in the sons of Eli and what they were doing and robbing from the sacrifices, sleeping with women at the door to the tabernacle. I mean, it's just, I mean, we can look at that and say, man, that is so horrific. But it doesn't have to be that extreme. It might just be jealousy, it might just be bitterness towards Mm. someone. It could be a lot more hidden than Mm. those really big things we saw yesterday.
3: Yeah, for me, what comes to mind immediately, Bill, as you're describing that, is I sometimes struggle with like this divisive spirit Mm. where I see other people and I emphasize the ways that I either disagree with them or something like that. And what often happens is because I'm so focused on what I disagree with, I'm not open to hearing what that person has to say. And what if God has something for me to hear from that person? I'm not going to hear it because I'm so focused yeah. on that divisiveness. So that might be a more, what seems less extreme example, but a way it still gets in the way of us hearing from God.
1: We could have long conversations about the, quote, degrees of sin. You know, sin, sin. You yeah. know, when we turn our heart away from God or when we refuse to listen to him, when we think we know better, when we think we can live without him, and however form that takes. Today, I want to look at this question that we started our conversation with is that there are also ways in which we may not really be able to hear all of what God wants to be revealing to us when we don't yet really know Him. So we're going to continue in this story, now going into 1 Samuel chapter 3 and just grabbing us several verses here. We're going to go ahead and pick it up at 1, where we were yesterday, and take it down to verse 7, just to remember the context. So let's go around and read that together. And I'm going to start in verse 1 and then let you all pick it up. So First Samuel 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions.
3: At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel.
2: Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down.
1: And again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down.
3: Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him.
1: Whoa. That just blows me Mm -hmm. away. What does that mean?
3: Well, especially because he's been serving there for a pretty significant amount of time, it feels like already. Yeah. So what has Eli been teaching him if he (laughs) hasn't been teaching him what it means to listen for God? That's good. I also think that
2: there's a reality that it's very possible, and I'm going to contextualize it more to our day. It's very possible to live in church world and to know an awful Hmm. lot about God, but not know God. That's a good point. And I wonder if maybe there's some of that going on. Yeah, I I
1: think you're onto something, Bill. I, I really do, because Samuel assumes who is speaking to him. Eli. Eli, right. And so that's this kind of, well, it's the pastor talking, or it's my Bible study leader talking, or it's my mom talking, or my dad talking, or my grandmother talking, or whatever. He doesn't even think it could be God talking. He doesn't recognize it as God's voice. He thinks it's Eli's. I think that's kind of surprising, don't you?
2: But if you didn't know what to listen for, right. how would you know what you were hearing? Yeah. you know, I can tell you that one of the huge differences between Marlene and myself is that when our kids were small, her heart was so in tune with our kids that the slightest whimper from them in the middle of the night, and she was up. Yeah. I'd sleep all night and never hear a thing. But the slightest little sound, and she was alert and awake because there was a connection there. And I'm not saying I don't have a connection mm-hmm. to my kids. Mm-hmm. I just say I like to sleep. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, uh, but for her, I mean, th- there was that level of sensitivity yeah. to where mm-hmm. she knew what she was listening for. Yeah. And so she knew how to hear it.
1: An instantaneous reflex, yeah. I think it's a good illustration to use for this. Uh, Samuel didn't yet know God. You know, Eli recognizes this is God talking to him, and Eli then instructs him as to how to respond so that Samuel can come to know God, the word of the Lord, and he can receive it. You know what else is just kind of a little aside is interesting to note in this story too. In verse two, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that they could barely see, I just find that an interesting little detail. Not only is there deafness going on, But there's the diminishment of sight going on. And actually, chapter 3 begins that way. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many. Visions, And we looked at yesterday at how the calling on Eli's family was being removed. Mm -hmm. You'll almost see it it literally being lifted off of Eli and transitioned on to Samuel in this situation. You have an uninformed heart. Is Samuel a young one who doesn't yet know and identify God? And we're going to see how he becomes informed and he begins to recognize who this God is. And once he does, how the word of the Lord will come to him in a completely different way. Okay, honestly, for me in this ongoing relationship with God, I've known him since I was 16 years old and I'm super old now. You know, I can actually experience prayer time with God as kind of like a conversation. I mean, almost like I just mm-hmm. pick up the phone and we're talking. I just feel mm-hmm. like once we know him, hearing with him is as easy as speaking with him. What do you all think about
3: that?
2: Well, that's the part where I start getting a little twitchy. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's important, and I need to say this out loud for my own sake, it's important to acknowledge that God's God, and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. Mm. I think for me, the thought of a conversation with God being like picking up the phone and chatting feels... mm, twitchy. (laughs)
3: twitchy. You can't
1: come up with a better word than that. Okay, Daniel, how do you
3: respond there? So first of all, how quick I am sometimes to judge other people in the way that they've said they've experienced God's presence because I haven't had the same experience. And I think all of us need to be really careful, right? To look at other people who have had an experience with God in some way and say, well, since I haven't had that, it isn't true or Mm -hmm. it isn't the way Mm -hmm. God works or whatever, because to Mm -hmm. Bill's point, God can speak in whatever way. I mean, he can do whatever he needs to do or wants to do because he's God. For me, I've experienced seasons in life where I don't know that I would describe it as a conversation like you do, Elisa. I don't know that I've ever experienced that, but where I have felt that I was in God's presence while I was praying or in God's mm-hmm. presence while I was, you know, spending time with him in some way. And that has been a very rich and good experience.
1: That's honest. Let me flesh it out a little bit. You know, one way I can experience this is in journaling. Mm-hmm. So if I'm writing down my my prayers, you know, God, I'm very concerned about this neighbor. I long for them to know you. And then if I just stop and I just pause, mm-hmm. and if I had to write something down in that moment, I would probably say... Hey, I've known them longer than you've known them. I made them. Remember that I know what's mm-hmm. going on in their heart, and you may thats what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. that? I mean, I don't want to put words in God's mouth, so to speak, but when I speak out what's happening with me, and I pause and consider, maybe the answer to this question: What's God's view here?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I find myself informed, and to me, that is like a conversation. Yeah. But I do feel like. The Lord has given us his Holy Spirit to inform us. And that part of hearing from God is having a willing spirit to allow him to converse with us Mm -hmm. and to willingly take in what he might want to say.
3: Yeah. And I think sometimes, too, maybe we don't recognize it until after the fact where we look back on a situation. Like I'm thinking of a few times that I've been praying for someone And I pray something that kind of just came to mind on the fly. I thought I was praying from the heart. But then later that person will reach out and say, you know, when you said this, like that is exactly what I had been seeing in my time with God. Um, That was a thought that I'd been thinking and all that. So God Mm -hmm. like spoke through the prayer that I was praying, Mm -hmm. but I didn't think I was speaking that Mm -hmm. in the moment. Mm
2: -hmm. I think for me, maybe some of the most real times where I felt God was really Injecting himself into what I was experiencing that moment have been times when I've been preaching. Yeah.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And in the middle of a message, all of a sudden an idea or an illustration comes to mind. Sometimes it's been things that I had never, ever read or thought of before in Mm -hmm. my life. And all of a sudden it's there. That's good. And inevitably someone will come and say, That was the most important thing I heard all day. And I said, well, good, because it wasn't from me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because I think that that's how God, at least in my experience, has been very real in mm-hmm. those kinds of moments.
1: I could even suggest, too, Bill, that's such a great illustration. But sometimes when we're just reading in scripture, like for instance, I was trying to make a decision years and years ago about accepting a leadership position. And I was reading in John 15, just my daily reading. And I came to John 15, verse 16, which says, Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room about what they will do after he has gone to heaven. I've chosen you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And I just stopped. You know god's chosen all of us to bear fruit that Hmm. would last how does my yes to this leader position fulfill his call in my life that kind of thing Hmm. as we continue looking at hearing aids today we're coming to a a big pop it's a bit of a crescendo we need to bring a willing spirit as we try to hear from god and that's what we're going to see happens Samuel as we continue on. And today we're going to be focusing in on 1 Samuel 3, verses 8 down to 18. And I'd like to read this. Now, just remind us, what's the context? What did we see yesterday, one of y'all?
3: So yesterday, we saw Samuel hearing a voice, and he thinks it's Eli, because the scriptures tell us that Samuel had not yet come to know the Lord.
1: Okay. Now we pick it up in verse 8. Bill, would you grab it there?
3: Sure. So the Lord called
2: Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place.
1: Okay, and the Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel! And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Daniel, would you pick it up?
3: Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever.
1: Bill, would you grab the next couple of verses to the end?
3: Sure.
2: Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered him, here I am. (laughs) What was it he said to you? Eli said. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's Eli who helps Samuel recognize that it's God's voice. Mm -hmm. Let's think, who have the Elis in our lives been who have helped us recognize God is God, and he wants to be in a relationship with you. And I can Mm -hmm. think immediately about my youth group leader, or I think about a Bible study teacher when I didn't even know what the Mm -hmm. Bible was. Who comes Mm -hmm. to your mind?
2: Probably my parents. Uh, They were the first spiritual Mm -hmm. influence in my life. And then I came to Christ, actually, as a student in Bible college, and had a couple of professors who were kind enough to take an
3: interest in me, and they were a big help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of people that I could mention, and uh, it kind of strikes me as, I think that's one of the ways we can sometimes know that it is the Lord that is leading us in a certain way or speaking to us in a certain way because of the people around us that might help us Mm -hmm. recognize that it, oh, yeah, that is how God tends to lead us or guide Mm -hmm. us or direct us.
1: And we might become an Eli to others as Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. as we enter that relationship. Eli offers Samuel seven words. And Samuel uses these seven words. And I don't think they're a formula. You know, it's not like a bibby bobbidi boo But look at these seven words that if we, once we know God, if we develop a heart attitude that these seven words represent, if maybe our ears are opened in a different way to being in a conversation with our God, what are the seven words? And they're in verse 10, but they're also elsewhere, but they're in verse 10.
2: Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Mm-hmm.
1: What if when we sat down to pray, and and we prayed, and then we paused, and like Samuel, like Eli directed him, we simply uttered, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. What if that's a way we help ourselves hear from God by developing this heart posture of a willing spirit to listen? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening.
0: Yeah, that is a great sentence. Seven key words to keep in mind. Because communication with God involves our talking to God, but it also involves listening. And oftentimes we forget all about that second part. Well, this is the Discover the Word podcast with Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. And this week's series is titled Hearing Aids. I'll be back to wrap up this study right after a word about next week's podcast. Next time on Discover the Word, our Bible geography expert here at Our Daily Bread Ministries, Dr. Jack Beck returns and continues to explore with us the importance of where, the impact of place. Jack is convinced that location almost always shapes our understanding of an event. And so for that reason, when God speaks, geography is a factor we need to consider. Some of what God has had to say to us He's chosen to say with geography, it's there. And uh, whether or not we engage it, that makes a huge difference sometimes in the stories that we read. And I hope uh, the stories that we look at in this series will do that same thing, just shine a new spotlight on the way God uses place to speak to us. Yeah, because the Bible has geography on virtually every page. And so we'll talk with Jack about roundabouts and intersections, about house and property hunting, and about the most mentioned place in the Bible. Looking forward to having Dr. Jack Beck back with the Discover the Word group next time for The Impact of Place, Part 2. And now let's wrap up this series called Hearing Aids with Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day.
1: I have a friend who was visiting her daughter in Mexico, and she worked with the refugees on the border. And she saw the saying on the church wall that said, "Adoremos a Jesus. And she didn't speak Spanish, and yet she asked her daughter to translate. And it said, let us adore Jesus. And she thought it was beautiful, but she went home, and several years later, her daughter finished the program and she went back to see her graduating. It was in a different church, and the same phrase was on the wall, Adoremos a Jesus. And she thought, My goodness, all these years they've been focusing on this one phrase as their calling. And they said, Yeah, we feel like it takes a lot of time to really focus in on a the theme. And I thought to myself, how beautiful that is. And yet how I flip from verse to verse in scripture, you know, and sometimes to hone in on one passage or one thought in our walks with God, it goes deeper and Mm. deeper and deeper. Have you experienced that? Do you know what I mean?
3: There's been times where maybe a theme shows up that God lays on my heart or impresses upon me or that I feel like is from God. And then over the year of time, it becomes obvious that it's God because it keeps showing mm-hmm. up in different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: That's good, Daniel. I tend to find myself in a teaching role to constantly be drilling down into individual passages and being so focused in there that I have to remind myself to lift up above and see how that story focuses in on the whole story of the whole Bible. Because there's a focus there that gives even richer meaning to whatever it is I'm mining out of that
1: particular text. I think what we're hearing is this intentional focus into the word of God, into the things of God, shapes us. Changes us mm-hmm. to kind of switch metaphors. I like to think of it as marinating. Mm-hmm. You know, you, when you marinate <laughs> meat, you know, you're going to put it in the juicy stuff. And you're going to turn it over and over and over and over so it gets totally coated. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about today is what I see as a kind of a crescendo in our conversation on hearing aids. Because what we're going to see today is that when we are able to really learn to lean in and listen in our relationship with God, we're changed. And as a result, our world is affected by mm-hmm. our listening. I want us to go back into the story of First Samuel. Can we review the four conclusions we've come to thus far this week about hearing aids and what we've seen. On the first day, we looked at Samuel's Mm -hmm. mother, Hannah. And what did we see there regarding hearing from God?
2: Well, she started off asking. Uh, She put herself in a position to hear by being willing to ask Mm -hmm. and place herself in a vulnerable position of need.
1: It was deeply vulnerable. She's at Shiloh in the tabernacle before the priest Eli. And so expressive... An emotional pouring her heart out to God that he thinks she's drunk, but that's how far she goes to express her need. And God hears and she becomes pregnant. This infertile woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to Samuel, whose name means Mm. because I asked God for Mm. him. And she gives this little boy once he's weaned over to the tabernacle to be used and to be trained. Right. What else did we see? What's another thing?
3: Well, unlike Hannah, that looked like she was sinning by being drunk but wasn't, (laughs) we saw the contrast of Eli's sons who, to put it bluntly, were abusing the worship of God, were abusing the people, were sleeping with the women who were serving at the entrance of the tabernacle. There couldn't have been more ugliness to their story. And as Mm -hmm. a result of that there was this spiritual deafness, this inability to hear from God to the point that the scriptures actually say that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and people weren't hearing from God.
1: So true. And then we saw that Samuel, as a young boy, really didn't yet know God, so he didn't recognize God's voice, right? Mm. And when he awoke in the night and God was calling him Eli had to train him that this is actually Mm. God's voice speaking to you. So we want to let our hearts be informed as we enter into a relationship with God, because once we are in a relationship, we can learn to recognize that he's speaking to us, right? And then yesterday, we looked at one other element here. What was that?
2: Yeah, you focused us on seven words, and seven words that can become a little bit of a of a good practice as we enter into seasons of prayer or study or whatever it might be to just maybe begin by saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Mm
1: -hmm. It's powerful because those seven words actually summarize the four elements we've already mentioned. Ask, speak, Lord. So I'm going to ask, okay, resist a season of deafness. I'm your servant. Inform your heart. I'm listening and I have Mm -hmm. a willing spirit. It's interesting how those seven words kind of represent Mm -hmm.
3: that. And what a challenge too, because oftentimes we think of prayer as us doing all the talking toward God. Yeah. What a good invitation and challenge for those of us who struggle with that to make sure that in our prayer time, we're taking time to also listen.
1: There's great intentionality there, mm-hmm. yeah, to pause and allow God to speak. Let's look at the conclusion of this segment of Samuel's story, picking up in chapter 3, verse 19, and taking it down to chapter 4, verse 1. Bill, would you start us?
2: Sure. First Samuel 3:19 Thus Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fail. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was
3: confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord and the word of Samuel came to all Israel.
1: I mean, that is such a contrast Yeah. from chapter three, verse one, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions mm. to the Lord continue to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all of Israel.
2: I think it's really interesting. This is one of those really unfortunate chapter divisions (laughs) uh, where these things do need to be read together. And our natural tendency is to stop at the end of the chapter. But the story continues on. Mm -hmm. And this is a place where that connection is really helpful.
1: So go back to verse 19. It says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. So there's this relationship we're talking about, right? And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground, is what my translation said. And Bill, yours said, fail. What's significant about that?
3: Well, I think Bill and I both can appreciate, as we've joked around about the speaking that we've done, We've had plenty of words that have <laughs> fallen to the ground and not been helpful, and that's why I didn't include you in that, Elisa. <laughs> <laughs> that's generous. I mean, how many times do we get done in our prayer is, Lord, anything that I misspoke, please remove it from people's ears. Mm-hmm. And let only the things that were from you actually sit with people.
1: Yeah. And especially here is Samuel really interested in being more of a prophetic role. Daniel, pull up Deuteronomy 18, 21 to 22, and read that.
3: Okay. You may say to yourself, How can we recognize a word that the Lord has not spoken? If a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, but the thing does not take place or prove true, it is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously.
1: In other words, if he spoke incorrectly or untruly and it didn't happen, then he really wasn't a prophet. And so when we're told the Lord was with Samuel and he let none of the words fall to the ground or fail, as Bill said in his translation, there is this kind of legitimizing of those words. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, and it says that he was confirmed as the prophet of the Lord. And I'm sure that that's the evidence that confirmed it in the eyes of the people, at least.
1: In verse 20, yeah. And in fact, it says, all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized he was confirmed. Mm -hmm. What's that geographical representation meaning, Dan to Beersheba?
2: Well, Dan was the tribe furthest to the north, and Beersheba, I think, was furthest to the south. I think it speaks of the extremes Mm -hmm. of the land that Israel was inhabiting.
1: yeah from the north to the south. It's like the whole yeah. area is covered. And it strikes me so powerfully then when you read verse 21, you know, that the word is, is true, it's not going to fail, that he's recognized as a prophet over all of Israel. And then in verse 21, the Lord continued to mm-hmm. appear. And what happens in one? Samuel's word came to all of Israel. When we hear from God We're changed. We marinate in a theme. We adoremos a Jesus, and it becomes a deep part of who we are. We are changed by an echo of God's truth in our life. We Mm. are changed as we continue to partake of His presence. But the reality is that, like ripples in a pond, when God's word changes us and we share it with others, those around us are changed as well. Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Heard from God from an asking mother, resisting a season of deafness, receiving an informed heart, developing a willing spirit, Samuel then experienced and expressed a ripple of influence over all of Israel.
0: Yeah, the story of Samuel truly is one of the Bible's great examples of someone who listened for God's voice and went on to do great things for God's kingdom. This is the Discover the Word podcast, and we've just wrapped up a study titled Hearing Aids. Your study partners were Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. I encourage you to explore other studies with the group on our discovertheword.org website. Well, I'm Brian Hedinga. Thanks for studying with us. Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.